1: Suicide leaves a powerful and enduring impact on the surviving family and friends. Anger and guilt reverberate through the years. Could I have done something? What signs did I miss? How do I go on? The pain lingers. I'm especially pleased to be talking with my friend and colleague, Hannah Rothstein, today. She's a professor emerita of management at Baruch College of the City University of New York and a volunteer crisis counselor for the Trevor Project, whose mission is to prevent suicide among gay, lesbian, and transgender youth, a group at particular risk. Hannah's son Yosef died by suicide, leaving the family with unanswered questions and raw emotions. She honors her son's memory by using her professional and personal resources to help prevent other mothers from suffering the loss of their children. With that goal in mind, Anna serves on the executive board of the Gabriel Project, an organization that provides nutritional and other support for the underserved in India. And she is also a member of the board of directors of RifaEno, an organization dedicated to mood disorder awareness and support in the New York area. Hannah Rothstein, welcome to the Van Leer series on ideas.
0: Uh, Thank you very much, Renee. I'm delighted to be here and very much looking forward to having this conversation with you. Let's begin
1: with some of the facts about suicide, which has been on the rise in recent years, most frighteningly among young people. It's the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 14 that's children, ages 10 to 14, and young adults between the ages of 25 and 34. Every year in the United States, more people die by suicide than in car accidents and more suicide deaths occur than homicide and AIDS deaths combined. So let's talk about the segments of the population at greatest risk for suicide. Who are they?
0: Well, Uh, I'd like to talk about that, but I want to give another piece of information. Uh, Over 45,000 deaths by suicide occurred in 2020, which is the last year I have data for. And uh, to put that in uh, daily context, that's about one death every 11 minutes. The number of people who think about or attempt suicide is even higher Um, in the year I mentioned, 2020, an estimated 12.2 million Americans seriously thought about suicide, 3.2 million planned a suicide attempt, and 1.2 million attempted suicide. Um, As you alluded to, uh, suicide rates vary among different um, segments of the population um, by race and ethnicity. By age, um, by um, sexual orientation or gender identity, and other factors including occupation and uh, where somebody lives. So by race and ethnicity, the groups with the highest rates were non-Hispanic, American, uh, in, non-Hispanic Americans, Indian and uh, Alaska Natives, and non-Hispanic whites. Uh, Other Americans with higher than average suicide rates are veterans, which has received attention in the news recently, people who live in rural areas, which surprised me, and workers in certain industries and occupations like mining, construction, health services, and particularly emergency health services. And that actually last one went up during COVID, possibly unsurprisingly. Uh, Young people who identify as lesbian, gay, or bisexual have higher rates of suicidal thoughts and behavior, and transgender people probably have one of the highest rates of suicide uh, in the country. Um, As you mentioned, um, the rates of suicide are trending up over the last three years, and the people who are attempting suicide are getting younger and younger.
1: Do we know why some of the unusual demographics or unexpected to urban people like you and me, Les, uh, that is people who live in rural areas and people who work in mining and construction, is, is there any theory about why they have a higher than expected or a relatively higher rate of suicide?
0: Well, um, in terms of the occupations, um, the only group that I'm personally familiar with are people in healthcare and emergency healthcare. And um, that's commonly thought to be um, the, uh, the stresses under which they, they work. And uh, they're feeling um, that they really often can't do anything uh, to affect outcomes. Um, so, they're, they're seeing a lot of seriously ill or dead and dying people. They try their best and um, they can't save them. Uh, after a while, I think that becomes uh, at the very least numbing and um, at the worst uh, gives a sense of uh, hopelessness or, or pessimism about uh, the state of the world. Of um, course. In, in terms of um, rural um, versus national, again, I I can talk mostly about the uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender questioning community. Um, They seem to often have no social support. And, And people who have social support attempted suicide at less than half the rate of those who didn't have much support. Um, Young people who go to school uh, in places where uh, their uh, sexual orientation or gender are affirmed do much better than those who don't. Those who live in communities that are accepting of the notion that LGBTQ people are not ill or deviant or perverted in some way do much better. Um, People in uh, communities of color uh, do worse. Um, And I think uh, those are some – maybe go some way to explaining the rural-urban divide because uh, people in rural communities tend to be more conservative, tend to possibly be less uh, knowledgeable about um, what might lead to suicide or uh, inability to recognize uh, the signs that – precede uh, suicidal uh, thoughts or um, suicide attempts.
1: Now, some people who die by suicide have serious mental illnesses with diagnoses such as clinical depression, paranoid schizophrenia, or bipolar illness. But there are other risk factors in addition. That is, most people who attempt or complete suicide don't have those diagnoses. What are some of the other risk factors?
0: Well, um, being abused, uh, having been bullied, uh, physically threatened or harmed, or uh, suffering a trauma, or witnessing traumatic events are all risk factors. We've uh, focused a lot on uh, people being bullied recently, I think, which is important. Um, And I would suspect that in communities where they think that being bullied is uh, just part of growing up and you kind of need to suck it up and uh, get tough, um, I imagine that the uh, young people in those communities and the adults in those communities uh, who are bullied uh, don't do particularly well. And uh, we know from uh, the veteran population, which is, again, very um, uh, vulnerable to uh, suicide attempts and suicide, I think witnessing or uh, having experienced uh, a serious trauma, even if previously the person was perfectly emotionally stable and uh, mentally healthy, those can really uh, have a dramatic uh, effect. Um, I was thinking uh, recently about the, um, the uh, I think it was the C, the chief financial officer or the chief operating officer of a major company who uh, jumped off uh, a uh, skyscraper in New York to um, kill himself. And that was because um, there had been a financial uh, mis- um misdeeds. Um, Either he uh, committed them or or permitted them, and he just couldn't live with the shame and the ideas about what his uh, life would be like. Uh, Similarly, uh, one of the Madoff sons committed suicide. Again, probably someone who was perfectly fine and, and functioning really well, but an event happened that caused him to lose uh, his uh, self-respect and his sense that he could have a positive life uh, following the revelation of of what had happened. Um, You're you're right.
1: I'm sorry. Go ahead. No,
0: please go ahead. Well,
1: you're right when you point to those things because um, recent losses, which are traumatic, a death in the family, a divorce— Unemployment, all of those are risk factors, including something that we don't always think about but should be obvious, which is previous suicide attempts. Uh, People who uh, attempt suicide uh, sometimes on the third or fourth try succeed. Uh, Similarly, suicide in the family or a cluster in the community, which is that social contagion is uh, is baffling, but research shows over and over again that it exists. Um, and of course, in, this doesn't apply to the young population so so often. Uh, but serious illness or chronic, intractable pain, uh, which is quite understandable, uh, can also lead to suicide. Just people want to get out of the prison of pain. Um, so uh, you mentioned support for the uh, LGBT young people. Um, what role does social isolation play in general in suicide risk? Social isolation, loneliness, uh, belonging, acceptance, all of those factors go together.
0: Well, I, I think if I, I needed to summarize uh, in one sentence what might lead somebody to commit suicide uh, very um, proximately is the sense of, I can't take this anymore, and I don't see things changing. Um and that would cover a lot of the people that that you spoke about, whether it's, it's the illness, whether it's living in an unsupportive community. Um, I think we're going to see uh, suicide go up again uh, if the economic situation gets worse. Uh, um, I don't think anyone listening is old enough to remember the depression, uh, but there were um, a lot of people who... Um, attempted or committed suicide uh, when their financial situation uh, went to hell, and uh, they saw no means of recovering, particularly if they felt responsible um, for other people. Um, So, um, again...
1: that that, that's a visual uh, uh, stereotype. That's a caricature of a New Yorker cartoon having the stockbroker... During the Depression, standing on a ledge, uh, getting ready to jump. Yeah,
0: and and I think uh, what comes to mind once one has that image in one's head is the people who jumped off the Twin Towers. Um, I guess nominally that was suicide, and it falls into the category of this is an untenable situation, and it's not going to get better. Um, no exit. Right. Except the one that they took. And um, that's a rather indelible image. So I I think that if we want to talk about suicide prevention, we need to talk about ways that we can help the person, even if they're in a very bad place of, I can't take this anymore, I feel hopeless, um, that we can help them to see that things don't necessarily need to go on that way in the future.
1: And how can we do that? A, a lot of people are afraid to talk with others about suicide. How do you start a conversation?
0: Uh, well, um, some of the people who uh, do suicide prevention work actually don't deal with the uh, at risk individual at all, but work with their communities uh, to do exactly what you were saying, not be afraid to open up a conversation, not be afraid to ask them if they need help, not to be afraid to ask them about their mood. Um, Very often uh, people have a tendency to run away from an uncomfortable situation, and this basically means running towards it. And so, for example, there are programs in high schools that train both teachers and students to recognize the signs of uh, possible suicide, of mood disorders, of um, traumatic changes in people's lives um, that might lead one to suspect that they were depressed or considering suicide and, and not to be afraid to reach out to them. The worst that can happen is the person says, I don't want any help, go away. But more often than not, they're actually um, appreciative of the fact that somebody noticed their suffering. And um, I think that taps back into what you were talking about with social isolation. If they, if people feel that they're really going through a hard time and nobody's noticing um they're going to feel more isolated and worse, and it probably um, increases their risk. Um, But some people actually reach out themselves. They realize that they're in a bad way, and they want help, but... um, one of the things we know is that, uh, at least in the United States, uh, access to mental health services is uh, very spotty, and in, in some cases it's very good, and in other cases it's uh, essentially unavailable. And so, one of the things that we could do is to make sure that um, our healthcare system, uh, which in general <laughs> has problems, uh, make you know, considers mental health services as an important component of of healthcare, and to make sure that we have enough um, trained providers and um, mental health centers uh, around the country. Um, if when we started talking before, we were talking about why rural communities might have higher risks, and often uh, rural communities are very underserved uh, in all manner of healthcare services, um, including mental health services. And um, related to that is that a lot of health insurance policies, and in our country, people depend primarily on uh, private insurance. Um, Coverage of mental health conditions uh, varies a lot. It's almost invariably um, not to the same level as uh, coverage of physical illness, and uh, often, even if people have access to uh, to therapy or other services, their policies say something like twenty sessions a year. Uh, if someone has uh, is at serious uh, risk of suicide. Uh, because of a mood disorder or other mental health conditions, that's probably not going to be enough. And even when somebody gets hospitalized, uh, the trend in all hospitalizations, whether it's medical or, or, or mental health, um, they get pushed out the door uh, as soon as their insurance coverage ends or uh, just in general to free up beds uh, for uh, newer patients.
1: Um, Well, as you say, access to mental health is often difficult, but access to guns is not. Uh, How how important is access to guns to suicide?
0: uh, Access to guns is really a a big uh, risk issue. Um, And um, if we could reduce access to lethal means of all sorts, and I think guns and um, some kinds of of pills are um, the worst. Um, If we could reduce access to those lethal means among persons at risk of suicide, um, that would uh, be a real helpful environmental stop to uh, the attempt. And one of the first things that we do, if someone calls the Trevor Project, um, we we do a risk assessment. And if they are at um, high risk or at imminent risk of committing suicide, one of the first things we ask them is what means are they considering and do they have access to those means? Um, I can only tell you uh, anecdotally, but... um, in the calls that I've fielded, the two um, biggest um, means that get mentioned are guns and pills.
1: And and when you say pills, uh, it, it makes me wonder, is substance abuse uh, a factor? Or are we talking about people who seek out some sort of pill that... They think if they take enough of them, they uh, will succeed in ending their lives.
0: Well, um, b- both are the case. Um, we always have to wonder when someone is uh, under the influence and their judgments are impaired, uh, are they more likely to to attempt suicide? And the answer is often that's true. Um, but the other thing is, is what my... Uh, my paramedic son calls, uh, uh, you know, suicide by unintentional overdose. Um, and, um, people will in a way, maybe play Russian roulette with the, um, alcohol or, or the drugs they're taking. Um, and, um, as you know, fentanyl is a, a, a big uh, cause of uh, unintentional deaths uh, in the United States now. But it also is, if it's accessible, it's a very easy means of, um, of killing oneself and uh, with uh, little hope of being able to be uh, revived or saved. Right. Families have a lot going on.
1: And uh, before we move away from the issue of guns, I, I wonder what your thoughts are uh, about the fact that uh, the, the four of the police who were on duty during the attack on the Capitol uh, died by suicide shortly thereafter. What uh, I know we don't know too much about them, but um, since you've been dealing with uh uh, the the issue i wonder what the people who are in the suicide prevention world have to say about that the numbers were striking and very very sad
0: it it was tremendously uh sad and i personally feel that it's, you know, on the heads of the the people who stormed the Capitol, but that's not the topic of our conversation. Uh, I think it relates to the reason that uh, emergency service providers uh, of all sorts um, commit suicide, which is that they take their jobs really seriously and they are unable to prevent something terrible from happening. Um, perhaps in the case of the police officers, they, they had a, either a tremendous sense of, of, of failure to present, prevent a, a major attack on the United States government. Um, the other possibility that, that I've heard people talk about is the sense of kind of losing hope in um, what they saw as the way America worked. And uh, they, they were just so incredibly disillusioned, they started feeling hopeless of where the country was going. So um, I, don't, I don't know whether those are competing explanations or they uh, came together in, in some way. But clearly, it was a trauma for them. That was not yeah. something that they expected as part of their job.
1: All right. It was a trauma for all of us watching on TV. Uh, But much more intense for the police officers there. Uh, There there are a number of myths about suicide, suicidal intention and behavior. And uh, maybe you can say something about what's a fact and what's not a fact. One of the myths is uh, that people who talk about suicide don't attempt it. And another one is if someone is really intent on killing themselves, nothing is going to stop them. What's the true situation?
0: Well, people who talk about suicide are more likely to commit suicide than people who don't talk about it. Uh, so I think anytime someone uh, reveals any kind of suicidal ideation to anybody else, that has to be taken very, very seriously. Um, While it is true that some. Yes, it is important. While it is true that uh, many of us uh, will often say, oh, I felt like killing myself, that's different than, oh, uh, I'm thinking about killing myself uh, right now or tomorrow. Um, I I have very mixed feelings about the notion of um, some people. there's nothing that you can do. That's definitely not true across the board. I think in the vast majority of cases, uh, people would like to be helped to be in a better situation so that they can get rid of those suicidal thoughts. But I I would like to go back to to my son as an example of someone who I honestly don't think um, his suicide uh, uh, could have been prevented. Um, He was very handsome. He was very smart. He was much loved by his friends and family and very successful in his chosen life goal of making things uh, better for uh, underprivileged people, marginalized people, uh, people who are underserved in their communities whether it was organizing a toy drive or, and ultimately becoming the uh, coordinator of all of the community service organizations at his university uh, to volunteering, to go into a uh, developing country uh, to provide needed services uh, primarily for the elderly. Um, And um, he, he was, You know, expressing uh, some suicidal uh, thoughts uh, over time. Uh, He went to a therapist. Um, He was smart enough to fool the therapist, and he managed not to convey any of the strong emotions he was feeling. Uh, He managed to um, talk about other things with the therapist. Um, At one point, uh, when he made a a semi-attempt, uh, uh, sort of jumping out of a window that wasn't really high enough for him to die, but which was a pretty strong indicator that he was thinking of suicide. Uh, we had him hospitalized, and he was smart enough to fool the hospital into thinking that he was not a threat to himself. Um, so I, I, we, we kept thinking that maybe this was going to happen, but we. And his friends, and his the the people who were providing mental health services, uh, you know, all the king's horses and all the king's men were not enough to keep him from committing suicide. I I do have to say that um, one possible reason he committed suicide when he did was that he was staying with uh, friends. Uh, one of whom was in the armed forces. And even though he had his his gun locked up according to all the r- regulations and uh, did not have any fault in uh, my son's access to his, his gun, uh, my son, by observing his friend, had figured out how you um, release the gun from its uh, secure... Habitat, and um, he took the gun and, and shot himself in the head. Now, to say that I don't think it could have been prevented, well, maybe it could be have been prevented in that instance. But he was very, very determined, and unless somebody was with him twenty four hours a day who was physically stronger than he was, I don't think anything would have stopped him over the the longer run. Um, which is not to say that I don't blame myself. <laughs> um, and um, because I think all the survivors of someone else's suicide blame themselves. But I, even though, you know, a lot of places will tell you that you can save everybody, I don't believe that's true. And I don't think that that should um, stop us from doing the most we can to prevent suicide. My analogy would be having a cancer prevention. Uh, campaign. Uh, you can do a lot to reduce people's deaths by cancer, but you can't save everybody. And the reason that I'm, I'm talking about this, obviously, it's cathartic for me, but it's also to tell other caretakers and other loved ones of people who do try to commit suicide or complete suicide that maybe there was nothing that they can could have done differently. Um, what you said when um, we, you started this conversation was that um, the survivors always wonder what they could have done. And that um, you also mentioned that um, people in the family or community of somebody who um, completes suicide are, is more at risk them, themselves. Partly that is over guilt about not having been able to save uh, the person who died. So that, that's a long answer.
1: Uh, and and a, a heartfelt one. Uh, finally, Hannah, you've taken the pain and sorrow of your experience and you use it to help others on the hotline. So tell us about how the hotline works.
0: Um, well, I, the, the Trevor uh, hotline um, is available um, to uh, anybody, even though our our target population is LGBTQ youth between thirteen and twenty four, uh, we will have a, an, an initial conversation with anybody. If the person is uh, older than our demographic, we will refer them to uh, more age appropriate resources. Um, when when ten or eleven year olds. Uh, Call. We don't say, "Well, you're not 13 yet," and we provide services to them. Uh, It um, uh, there are three means of accessing our hotline. Uh, There is um, a chat uh, function where the person who's contemplating suicide um, can uh, uh, chat um, and and. For Trevor, the uh, number, the uh, website is 9, well, no, sorry, Um, they could just uh, type Trevor Chat. There's also Trevor Text, and there is uh, Trevor Lifeline, which is a, a conversation with a live human being. Um, so sometimes people are uncomfortable talking to somebody, but especially younger people are more comfortable uh, texting or chatting. Um, so um, they can um, they can do that. Um, More broadly, in the United States, something that's really been um, helpful is a suicide and crisis hotline. The number for that is 988. So anyone who is at risk of um, suicide, who wants to reach out, uh, can call or text three numbers, 988, or they can chat at 988lifeline.org. And uh, I encourage anybody who is um, thinking about um, killing themselves or someone who's a family member of someone who is um, thinking about killing themselves to to write down that information, uh, 988 or 988lifeline.org. Uh, um, and in terms of, of Trevor, just um, contacting... Um, uh, Trevor uh, Text or um, Trevor Chat or Trevor Lifeline. Um, Trevor Chat is just Trevor Chat as one long word. Trevor Text is Trevor Text at one long word. If you can go through uh, the web and the Trevor Lifeline number is 866-488-7386. Um, uh, that is 866-488-7386. 7386. And I uh, truly, truly hope that uh, the information that I just provided uh, will help um, save lives.
1: And these are uh, open and available 24 hours a day?
0: They are available 24-7.
1: Wonderful. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today, Hannah. You're really doing very important work. Uh,
0: thank you, uh, Renee, for inviting me. I, I'm very happy that there is a suicide prevention uh, month and that suicide prevention is getting uh, more attention. I just hope that in the future it, um, it gets the resources uh, that are needed to do the best possible job. Um, and thank you again for the opportunity to have this conversation.
1: And thanks to our researcher, Bela Pasikov.